Section 4 of Liljekrona's Home by Selma Lagerlöf Translated from the Swedish by Anna Barwell This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Reading by Lars Rolander Liljekrona's Home by Selma Lagerlöf Section 4 Chapter 4 Snow White Part 1 such a chitter-chattering was going on in the kitchen bedroom at Lövdala that little maid could not possibly get a wink of sleep. Although she was lying that night in a real little bed which had been moved in for her. Mamsel Maja Lisa's foster sister Anna Brogren, who had married Provost Lövstedt in Ransäter, had come on a visit and was to stay till next day. The spare room had been put ready for her but no sooner had the pastor and his wife gone to bed than she had come creeping downstairs again she had of course wanted to have a private talk with mamsel maja lisa and she was disappointed to see little maid in bed there too time after time she went to look and listen if she was asleep at last little maid lay quiet as a mouse for she was sorry to be in their way she must be asleep now said the provost's wife as she took the candle and went once more to little maid's bed no that she isn't said the pastor's daughter how can you expect it after all our chattering perhaps we had better be quiet for a little suggested anna brogren they had been silent not more than two minutes when anna brogren felt quite sure that the child would be asleep now and a good thing too for she was not going to leave Lövdala until she had heard how everything had happened, even though she had to sit all night long. She is not asleep, that I am certain of, answered the pastor's daughter. But we will manage another way. I will tell you a tale whilst we wait. I expect you remember of old many a tale of mine. I am afraid that's just the way to wake her up, objected Anna Brogren. But do as you like. What tale is it to be? I think I'll tell you the story of Snow White. Oh, that one, said Anna, in not very pleased tone. It is a long time since I last heard that. You know, there was once a pastor's wife, began Maya Lisa, who was so vexed that she had no children. No, no, you're telling it all wrong, said Anna Brogren. It was surely a queen. I've always heard it was a pastor's wife, answered Maya Lisa, and I cannot tell the tale in any other way. And she continued to tell of the pastor's wife, who had longed for a daughter, as red as blood and as white as snow, and who died when her wish was granted. I think we might talk about something a little more cheerful, said her foster sister. I can understand that you have not forgotten the story continued the pastor's daughter and so i will not talk of little snow white's childhood you will remember that it was free from sorrow although she was motherless for she had a kind aunt to look after her home a kind foster sister and a dear old grandmother but the kindest and dearest of all was her dear father he was her gentlest playfellow and to him she went in all her troubles he never would have her kept strictly like other children, but she did just as she wished. 
people said of course that he was spoiling her but he would not hear a word of it perhaps little snow white was too good to be spoilt said anna brogren in a strangely grave tone never any one was happier than snow white went on the pastor's daughter especially when her aunt left and she had to manage the house herself and look after her dear father for many years her only sorrow was when her foster-sister married and moved to another parish and if at that time any one had told her that her father would turn against her i think she would only have laughed aloud how could dear father and she ever quarrel not even in her dreams could she imagine such madness and certainly no one else either would have believed it could happen said anna brogren in the same serious tone as before and snow white was never farther from thinking of such a great misfortune than one lovely morning last summer when she went out with her father to see the hay crop was that last summer interrupted anna brogren i thought snow white lived a thousand years ago i've always heard that snow white is still living said the pastor's daughter and the day she went out with her dear father she was just seventeen years old and he was fifty although he scarcely looked it he wore a peruke and no hat his shirt front was finely frilled and great buckles shone on his shoes in snow white's eyes he was very handsome for she had on her old cotton frock and big sunbonnet and seemed of no importance beside her father i have always heard that nobody was so beautiful as little snow white interrupted her foster sister but the pastor's daughter went on without heeding her the sunbonnet however was very convenient as it hid her face for otherwise her dear father might have seen that she looked anything but pleased alas alas i am thinking why snow white was vexed at having to go out with her father just then she had wanted to stay at her loom and get on with her linen weaving but when he had come himself to the bedroom window to call her she could not possibly say no i do not believe she could ever say no to dear father said her foster-sister they went past the dairy and calf pasture for they were on their way to the south field where long bengt and the vetter lads were busy moving grass it was not far but it always meant plenty of time to go out with her father he stopped to look at the cows and he stopped to talk to the dairymaid when they came to the birches on the hill he stopped again to prop up a young fir tree that had been blown down but now i must tell you that snow white could never be cross very long when she was with dear father she was always so full of wonder that he was just what he was and in my opinion snow white was not wrong in thinking it noble and kind of father to stay all his life as assistant pastor in a poor little far-away parish of far-away varmland with his learning and irresistible eloquence added to his dignity and charm of manner he could surely have become a dean or a bishop if he had only been willing don't you think so too it is not easy for me to say anything about snow white's father said anna brogren but i should certainly think he could have risen to any post he wished 
I cannot be certain of Snow White's feelings, but I fancy she said to herself, You Snow White, who know nothing, who are nothing, and who have seen nothing, are you not ashamed to go about in a bad temper? Just think of father, who never complains, never wants anything for himself, and always carries a bright face. Snow White made excuse that she would have so liked to finish her weaving before she left home, for she had no choice but to go that summer to Luca Wells with her grandmother. Last winter had plagued her terribly. It broke one's heart to see how her hands suffered. All spring Snow White had urged her to go for a change, but she knew her grandmother would never go without her. She knew she ought to ask her father to fix a day for their journey, but she shrank from doing it. Did she not know that dear father was sorry to lose her for six whole weeks, and put it off as long as he could? So she walked along making conditions with herself. If there was a fine hay crop on the south field, so that father was really pleased, then she would pluck up courage and speak about the journey and it really looked as if she would soon have to go for when they reached the south field the crop was an uncommonly fine one snow white at once noticed how pleased dear father was for he began to joke with longbengt the tallest man in the parish and say he ought to grow a little more the grass was taller than he longbengt was at no loss for an answer he said that if the pastor was going to keep on working his land in that way, he would soon get no one to move his grass. It was a misery to have to cut through such a wall. And the two better lads backed him up, and said they would rather fight with all the West Goats in Broby Fair than move grass like that another year. Dear father had to give as polite an answer back again, and they all stood round in silence waiting for it. Ah, I think Snow White will always remember father as he stood there, so pleased and friendly in the midst of his men, pretending that he was wondering what he could answer so that it might make the better impression when it came. But look at that now, they never heard dear father's answer for something unexpected happened, and turned their thoughts in another direction. Whatever could it be coming towards them through the high grass? What could it be, not walking quietly, but reeling along, screaming and talking to itself? I am sure Snow White had never seen anything that moved her so deeply. Ah, to see a woman in such a dreadful state! Her clothes, wet and muddy, clung tightly round her. Her hair had fallen loose from the comb, and hung in wisps down her back. And most terrible of all, there were blood-stains on both hands and face. Longbengt and the better lads turned aside and spat three times, as though they had seen an evil spirit. A very little more, and dear father would have done the same. But suddenly Snow White seemed to recognize the newcomer's face, and she hastened to whisper to dear father that it must be the lady who kept house for Countess Borry. Father agreed, and went up to the lady and asked her what had happened, 
that she was coming to him so early in the morning. But she was so excited that she did not know him, but only called out that she could bear it no longer at the countess's, and was on her way to get help at the parsonage. They took her home with them, and after a time she grew calm enough to tell them what had happened. The countess had worried and plagued her until she could bear it no longer, and had run away from Borry at two o'clock in the morning. She had been so confused that she never thought where she was going until she was out of the house. Then she had decided to go to the parsonage, as she had heard they had kind hearts there. But the poor thing had taken a short cut over the meadows, could not get over the footbridge, but had tumbled into the brook, hit her head, and destroyed her clothes. This had so upset her that she could not find the right road, but had wandered to and fro the whole morning over the pastures and cornfields. Now she asked so nicely for leave to stay at the parsonage until she had dried her clothes, washed away the blood-stains, and thought a little what she should do next. Of course she could do that. Ah, I wonder who would have refused any human being in such distress. But how Snow White and her father blamed the countess, beautiful and gay as she was, and yet to be so cruel to those beneath her. And it wasn't the first time either that they had heard a like tale of her. I can tell you it was a good thing the countess didn't meet Snow White that day. She would have asked her if she wasn't ashamed of herself. This lady now, what shall I call her? You can call her Mamsel Babitz, suggested her foster-sister. Well, this Mamsel Babitz was such an excellent person, and so well spoken of, that the countess ought to have known better than to frighten her out of her wits. But that very same day Snow White hit upon a plan which gave her great pleasure. She would ask Mamsel Vabitz to stay and keep house at the parsonage, whilst Grandmother and she went away for their change. If only that could be arranged, she would be sure that everything would be just as comfortable as if she were at home herself. "'But, dear heart,' said her foster-sister, "'was that your idea? I mean, was it Snow White's?' "'Yes, indeed. It was hers, and no one else's. And she was so glad that she had such a happy thought. She asked Mamselle at once if she would stay, and she answered without hesitation that she would be glad to do her that service. But she added that she would like to say if she could get a post in a gentleman's house, she should leave at once. She was a poor woman, and had to put her own interests first. But it was not so easy to persuade dear father. Was he to have Mamselle going about the house for six whole weeks, and be compelled to sit at meals with her? You have no idea what a business it was before Snow White and her grandmother were successful. Father and Mamselle Babitz couldn't get on at all well together. He liked to joke and tease everybody. But Mamselle was straight-laced and serious and very mindful of her dignity. Snow White generally managed to keep them apart until mealtimes. But no sooner had father sat down to table than he chose for his subject whatever he thought would tease Mamselle. 
Best of all, he liked the talk to be about love and marriage. He was so glad, he said, to have Mamselle in his house, to give him good advice. He had long been thinking of marrying again. What would she say to Countess Borry? But no sooner were the words said than Mamselle grew stiff with horror. She laid down her knife and fork on her plate and stared at him. Anna Brogren began to smile. How he would enjoy that, she said. Yes, dear father was plainly in his element then. It was not every day he found anyone who did not understand his jokes. Now he declared he really could not comprehend why Mamselle should look so astonished. Did she think that the countess would not have him? But he knew for a fact that the countess thought him a handsome man. She always came to church every Sunday when she was at Borry, and she had told him with her own lips that she never went to hear an ugly preacher. It was really too funny. When Snow White's father said this, two bright red spots appeared on Mamselle's cheeks. She had evidently been silent as long as she possibly could, but now she had to give vent to her anger. "'And this man is supposed to be a pastor and a servant of God,' she burst out. And Mamselle had such a coarse, rough voice. She was a little woman with a small, refined face and snow-white hair although she was not more than forty years old she looked as gentle as a dove and for that very reason it was more of a shock when she began to speak now when mamselle had in her deep hollow voice pronounced judgment on dear father he began to laugh aloud but not another word did she utter all dinner-time anna brogren began to laugh too but Snow White only sighed before she went on. I expect I need scarcely say how Snow White begged and prayed her father, and how really distressed she was when her entreaties were of no avail. She lived in continual anxiety lest Mamselle should run away from them as she had run away from Borry. I rather fancy she stayed, said her foster sister. Yes, she stayed, and how glad Snow White was. Mamselle even began to help in the housekeeping. She would not stay with them and do nothing. It wasn't likely she should. Of course, such a cook as Mamselle was not content with ordinary middle-class fare, but she made French dishes as if for a nobleman's table. And dear father, who for several years had been tutor in good families, lived his young days over again when he tasted made dishes fine pastry and spicy sauces it was plain he would not go short while snow white was away it was reassuring too to notice that his jokes with mamselle lost a good deal of their sharpness when she had served a really good meal and it was pleasant too that he and mamselle both took such an interest in gardening he might talk as long as he liked of the botanist Linné and Hammarby, and of the botanical gardens in Uppsala, without Mamsell's ever being tired of listening to him. And no doubt it was the gardening that reconciled father to the thought of keeping Mamsell, otherwise he would never have done it. 
Snow White had that to thank for her ease of mind when she started. She almost dared to hope that Mamsell Vabitz and dear father would put up with one another till she came home again. But she was not really happy all the time she was away, for her thoughts were always at home wondering if father was teasing poor Mamsell. When Snow White had been away two weeks, dear father wrote her such a gay letter, full of fun from beginning to end, telling how he and Mamsell were getting on. One evening he had had a visit from Lieutenant Christian Barry and Herr Julius, and they had all played cards and sung Bellman. Next day Mamsell would not speak to him, and all the week he had had nothing for dinner but black puddings and bacon and carrots and salted herrings. But the day before he wrote he had had grilled salmon and game pie, so that he knew he had been taken into favour again. Snow White could not help laughing at dear father's nonsense, although that letter did not altogether reassure her. But the next was better when he told how Long Bengt had given out that he was now going to marry Mary Maya, his old sweetheart, and that Mamsell Vabitz had been the means of persuading him. She had kept on telling him how wrong it was to keep a woman waiting fourteen years, and at last her words had taken effect. It was plain that dear father was very pleased. He did not write Vabitza in this letter as he usually did, but Mamsell Vabitz, a sure sign that he recognized what an excellent person he had to do with. After that Snow White got no more letters from dear father, but only short cards to say that he was too busy to have much time for writing. Not one word did he say of Mamsell, which must mean that he had got used to her and thought no more about her than about the other servants. But Snow White still felt a little uneasy, and I cannot describe how glad she was when she got into the carriage to drive home. She had written in good time to tell him when to expect them, and in the same letter had praised him for putting up with Vavitz, but now he need not have any more strangers in his home, for Snow White would never leave him again. Did she really write that? asked her foster sister. She must be amused now to remember it. There is a good deal that is amusing in this story, said the pastor's daughter. It is almost laughable to think how pleased Snow White was as she drove along the road, so happy indeed that all she met brightened up at the very sight of her. At least it was so at the beginning of her journey. But when she came nearer home, where people even at a distance recognized the carriage and its occupants. She thought that every one they met was thinking of something sad enough to make their faces drawn and wrinkled. I tell you, Snow White grew quite puzzled. When she came to the last inns where she knew the innkeepers, she asked after dear father, and they told her he was as active as when she went away yet she could hear by their tone that they knew something they would not tell. Neither would she ask. It was indeed rather sad if Mamsell had run away at last, but Snow White was not going to spoil the joy of her homecoming by thinking about her. That is ridiculous beyond words, said her foster sister with a laugh. If it were not so sad— 
at the last stage long bengt came to meet them with their own horses and there was no doubt about it he was strange too as a rule words had to be literally dragged from him but now they came in an endless dream and snow white noticed too that he talked about everything else but not a word of her father and vabitz and she dared not ask if anything was wrong she would no doubt hear it from dear father himself and so she knew nothing before she got home exclaimed her foster-sister no she knew nothing nothing at all and i will tell you what was the saddest part of it all for her and that was that dear father thought he had acted with such wonderful prudence and expected her to be pleased at what he had done and no wonder he did for had she not praised mamsell and said he ought to be happy to have such an excellent person in his house it was her own words perhaps that had led him to think that mamsell you certainly can never understand how pleased father was as he stood upon his threshold to welcome her and how pleased vabitz was as she stood beside him dear father's only wish was to tell the great news but he did not need to tell anything for she saw it herself knew it indeed before she got out of the carriage and now i must tell you how upset she was she grew so angry that she lost all self-control never in her life had she felt like that before she did not indeed fly at them with cuffs and blows much as she would have liked to do it her tongue however she could not control and she said the very worst she could think of never would she call vab's mother was her first speech and the second that she was no fitting wife for her father she who was but the daughter of a poor german trumpeter whilst her father could have married the best-born lady in the land and she continued they knew well enough themselves that they had acted wrongly or they would never have married on the sly but now grandmother came seized her wrist and told her sternly to come with her to her room she did not refuse to obey but first she turned to vabitz once more and told her she had carried favour with father by her good food and that he had only married her for her fine dishes and when that was said her grandmother got her away that was a pity said her foster-sister i think they might have let her go on no her grandmother carried her off and once in her room she burst into tears that too was something new for never before had she cried like that on and on she wept for hours before she stopped and all the time she felt as if something which hitherto had lain asleep within her heart had now awakened and overmastered her she felt convinced that some old dragon or horrible wild beast had its home in her soul alas alas in her fear of this she almost forgot the other grief for indeed it was a sore trouble to know there was anything so unruly and dangerous in her very self it was true she could not exactly help its being there only she must never again let it be seen oh 
dear heart said her foster-sister tenderly had she never been angry before in her life at last she slept and forgot it all and did not wake until next day as the sun was rising from behind the mountain and shining in her face she lay feeling miserable and wondering what she should do but she did not need to wonder long for in a few minutes the housemaid came with a message from her mistress she was to get up and go to her loom it still wanted some minutes to four and she had not been in the habit of getting up so early and although she had worked it had only been at her own wish not at another's bidding she was getting angry again when she remembered the wild creature inside and feared lest it should lift its head again when she had been working at her loom a couple of hours she could better understand how everything had happened vabitz had not tried to curry favour with dear father but had kept on telling him the truth until he had plainly seen that she would be an invaluable help for him and his daughter and when dear father had seen that his daughter had not appreciated his cleverness he was no doubt quite angry with her at seven o'clock snow white was called into her father's room to be warned and scolded as indeed was to be expected but he was so terribly tactless when he reproved her that she nearly grew angry again still she did not but begged both vabitz and dear father very sweetly for forgiveness as she kissed their hands she could see how he rejoiced to have it settled and peace in his home once more and things like that can happen while someone else but a few miles away knows nothing of them exclaimed her foster-sister with a tearful voice if only i had been there it was a good thing that there was nobody there to take snow white's part said the pastor's daughter she was glad she had been ready to make peace for when she saw them together she understood that she was not the most unhappy she was young and might get married and have a home of her own but it was another matter with dear father he would never be rid of vabitz but must keep her to his life's end that indeed was a life in midwinter with never a summer sun it was not she but dear father who was to be pitied but friendly as she wished to be she could not help being vexed with him when he came in a little while to her bedroom window and asked if she would not come out for a walk she replied that she could not possibly for dear mother had ordered so many yards to be woven before breakfast in the first moment of irritation dear father insisted she should come away in any case but then he bethought himself that it would scarcely do to set dear mother's orders on one side the very first day so dear father went away from the window and left snow white at her loom this she had never expected and her heart was ready to burst she knew she had lost dear father her voice shook with sobs as she stopped short anna brogren too did not speak but wept aloud and little maid would have cried too if she had not been so afraid that the others would hear her the next night was not a scrap better for little maid than the last anna brogren had not gone as she intended 
but had put off her journey home, and no sooner had the pastor and his wife said good-night than down she crept from the guest-chamber into the kitchen-bedroom to talk to her foster-sister. This time they did not trouble about waiting until Little Maid was asleep. Anna said at once that she had only stayed to hear the end of the pretty tale that Maya Lisa had begun the night before, and she begged her to go on at once so that they might finish it, for she could not possibly stay over the next day. And so the pastor's daughter began again. If I remember right, said she, Snow White had not been at home more than a week before Sexton Moreus with his wife Ulla came on a visit. I cannot tell how pleased she was when they came. Everything was going smoothly between dear mother and her, it is true, but how she had to work! She sat all day long weaving her the upper patterns until at night she went to bed with an aching back. It was a mercy when a visitor came to give her a moment's leisure. Ah, dear, dear! Snow White thought to herself that she would certainly never get dear mother's love of work, nor would she ever get such quick and clever fingers. Mother could weave a beautiful damask with all the animals out of the ark worked into the border. Snow White saw plainly enough that mother looked upon her as a bungler, but she thought she surely must see, too, that she tried her best to please her. Ulla Morius knew dear mother from the time when she was housekeeper at Bori, and understood her well. Besides, she had lately been with her mother-in-law to help at Bori with the autumn baking, so she had plenty to tell about the countess. Snow White noticed that dear mother enjoyed hearing of all the mad things her ladyship had been doing lately. But to tell the truth, I think no one was so pleased at the visit as dear father. Snow White sat and watched how he threw off the great dignity he had assumed ever since his marriage, and became his old self once more. And she said to herself, I cannot think how dear father has held out lately. I have not known him since we went to the south field to see the hay crop. Snow White knew so well that it was on her account that dear father no longer dared to laugh or joke. He was filled with remorse that he had brought her up so badly, for he thought that she would never have broken out as she did against him and dear mother, if he had not spoilt her. But father had made up his mind now that she should be kept in check, and had it so upon his conscience that he never dared be anything but stern and serious when she was in the room. End of section 4 Read by Lars Rolander